VoiceAmericaBusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. a visionary. You have a vision. You just need to create it and bring it to life. Welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with your host, Kate Ebner. Our program will be an hour of inspiration for leaders who are making their visions happen and will set you on the path to having a big impact through your leadership and the life you really want. Now here's your host, Kate Ebner. Good morning and welcome to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. I'm Kate Ebner, and I'm so pleased to have you listening to the second week of our month-long series on Circle Leadership. Last week, we were joined by Kay Sandberg of the Global Force for Healing, who inspired so many of you. We heard wonderful response from our audience about that show. I've invited Kay to participate with me today as a co-host, and she's actually going to participate throughout the month in bringing some of the uh, leaders who are really working with Circle concepts uh, in the powerful work that they're doing in the world. So, Kay, welcome back again this week. Thank you so much, Kate. It's just a joy to be here again this morning. Great. And, Kay, you and I know that you're going to be helping facilitate this conversation because of your partnership with the Dalai Lama Foundation. So um, I'm going to um, just tell the audience that Kay also will be um, inquiring and asking questions as we go. And if you didn't catch last week's show, you'll find it on our website. That's nebocompany.com under past shows. Now, today I'm very honored to be joined by two of the founding members of the Dalai Lama Foundation, Tenzin Tatong and Darlene Markovich. The Dalai Lama Foundation was formed in 2002 with the express blessing of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama himself, and its mission is to support the development of our shared global capacity for ethics and peace based on a non-dogmatic ethic of compassion and to raise a strong voice articulating an ethic of mutual respect and care based on recognition of our shared humanity. Very powerful mission. And it's been um, more than a decade now since this uh, organization was founded. Um, Tenzin is the president of the Dalai Lama Foundation. He's also the founder of key Tibet initiatives in the United States, including the Tibet Fund, Tibet House in New York, the International Campaign for Tibet. Tenzin's a former representative of His Holiness the Dalai Lama in the United States and former chairman of the Tibetan Cabinet. He also serves as a visiting scholar at Stanford University. Welcome this morning, Tenzin. Thank you. And Darlene is the executive director of the Dalai Lama Foundation. She has spent 28 years at the Alza Corporation before retiring to focus on nonprofit activities. She presently serves on the boards of various organizations, including the Committee of 100 for Tibet. Darlene, welcome to the show. Good morning, Kate. And, you know, I've done um, a couple of lines about each of you, and I just know that that is scratching the surface in terms of describing you and your work in the world. And so I'd love to... Um, invite you to share a bit more about yourself and maybe tell us um, briefly the story of how you came to be doing the work you're doing with the Dalai Lama Foundation, sort of what's your background and how has your path led you to this? Tenzin, let's start with you. 
Okay, uh, well, the Dalai Lama Foundation was started by a, a group of people, uh, many of whom have uh, uh, known the Dalai Lama for many years or have worked with him in some capacity or have been, uh, shall we say, close friends or uh, students of his. And uh, this group of people sort of came together to try and start an effort that through which they could make their contributions towards a better world. And instead of just uh, working on projects that the Dalai Lama is already involved in, uh, we decided that we would try and do something in the field of promoting peace and uh, secular ethics, as the Dalai Lama calls it. Uh, so this is uh, how people came together to do something, uh, uh, to start an effort which is in many ways inspired by him and uh, which tries to make a contribution in the same way. Thank you so much. I mean, I, I think that's a fascinating story, the way that uh, the foundation was founded. And Tenzin, tell us a little bit more about your personal story. Well, I'm a, a Tibetan, uh, born in Tibet and, uh, shall we say, raised up or grew up uh, in India. And I've been involved with the... Uh, exiled Tibetans for almost all my life, and it's from working in the early uh, refugee community in India uh, and doing all kinds of things from being trying to be a school teacher to uh, being a journalist. And so my work has been about the community, about human rights, and also the politics of Tibet. So that's my background uh, in terms of what, I, what I've done most of my life. Thank you. What a fascinating background. I'm sure we're going to be asking you more about it. Um, Darlene, um, your work is extensive and uh, fascinating to even just read your, your story um, on the page. I know you've um, co-founded the Missing Peace Project. Um, your board work is extensive, and so is your con- connection to and commitment to Tibet. Why don't you tell us a bit about who you are? Oh, thank you. Um, my path um, actually started in Cleveland, Ohio, and I went to Catholic schools there. Uh, came out to um, California um, in the early 70s and joined an extraordinary corporation called Alza Pharmaceuticals, um, which had a culture um, that inspired people to think with both the right and left sides of their brains and to enjoy one another's company and to um, pay attention to art as much as science. Um, And I was in a a unique opportunity as a senior member of the human resources staff to um, bring on board a number of Tibetan refugees at the time that there was a resettlement project in the San Francisco Bay Area. And in doing so, uh, I came to know a people that truly inspired me by their work ethic um, and understanding of what their individual paths have been and how difficult their struggle, yet how both forgiving and joyful um, they they were and they are. And that introduced me to... Uh, the Dalai Lama and I would attend lectures whenever possible and I found it very kindred to a lot of the philosophy that that really struck 
me most in my heart as I was growing up, which was Gandhian thought and the idea of nonviolence, of ahimsa, uh, forgiveness. Um, and I, I, the two just kind of went hand in hand for me. And with the example of the Tibetan refugees in front of me in the workplace, um, I felt motivated to get involved um, in a more in a more deep fashion with the Committee of 100 for Tibet at the invitation of um, the founders of that project, um, Julianne Fred Shepherdson. Thank you for sharing sharing that story, and it, it certainly sounds like it's become, you know, a, a path. Of, of relationships and learning and just a wonderful exploration um, for you and, and, a, and a place of contribution in your life. You know, as I was preparing for today's conversation and Kay and I were talking about it, I wanted to um, make sure that we really do tell that founding story of the foundation and Tenzin has referred to, you know, the coming together of so many people um, back in um, you know, as I said before, more than a decade ago to really create this foundation to do this work for peace in the world. And I wonder, Tenzin, if you could describe what that was like, what the founding of the Dalai Lama Foundation, what was it like to be there? Oh, well, uh, I think, uh, it was, uh, very inspiring, definitely, because, uh, we have, we had a group of people who had, uh, done a lot of wonderful work in their own capacities, you know, in many different ways. And uh, we were trying to not just, uh, shall we say, copy another um, foundation or another initiative, but to try and do something that was not being done. So, as I said earlier, instead of just trying to be another group that would help the refugees or the Tibetan monastic groups, we decided we should try and do something in the area of peace, which uh, the subject which the Dalai Lama is very sort of uh, personally fond of, but uh, he does not have an active group of people trying to pursue that. And so we decided we will try and do something in the area of peace. And all of us were quite aware that talking and trying to do something about peace is not an easy subject. Mm-hmm. In fact, often uh, of a slight ridicule even. But we decided we would try and do uh, make contributions to create greater awareness of peace and to build up uh, a network of friends that would uh, lay the foundation for this kind of uh, effort. So it's been, it hasn't been easy trying to uh, run and uh, keep an organization going while trying to develop programs that will reach out and educate people. But we've been a, a steady and um, fulfilling effort so far. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Kay, I know that you are very familiar with the work of this organization. Is there a question you'd like to ask, maybe to draw out some aspect of the foundation and its work that you think we should know? Uh, yes, thank you, Kate. Um, and Tenzin and Darlene, it's just a, uh, an honor to be on the phone with you today. Uh, and um, as I've become more familiar over the last year with your work, I'm um, more in awe than ever of the under-the-radar uh, quiet ways that groups of people, that circles of people have become involved through your efforts in peace and what uh, Tenzin, you called a moment ago, secular ethics. 
So um, I would love for you to, Tenzin, for you to share with our listeners a little bit about the study circles, the ethics for peace curriculum, uh, and what, um, how did that evolve and where do you see that going? Uh, thank you. Well, uh, you know, one of the, uh, I suppose you could say, one of the most successful efforts uh, within our foundation work has been something that was not really planned or thought out or uh, initially uh, among the group of people who were uh, helping us start the foundation. A few of them decided that uh, they would form a little study group to read uh, a book by His Holiness called Ethics for the New Millennium. Uh, it's a book uh, which is a compilation of the Dalai Lama's ideas about peace and how we might have peace, especially among people who are spiritually inclined but who uh, would want to promote peace without their own particular sort of religious dogma. So we had a group of people who, uh, about seven of them, I believe, who did a study guide for that book. They met once a month, and each time they had the meeting, they made some notes, and we turned that into a little sort of a booklet at the end of the uh, their study, we put it up online and we started to share it with people and it's been downloaded tens of 20,000 or more by now and uh, uh, it's uh, a lot of different people have started groups uh, all over the world and we had a, a large number of groups in Africa as well and so it's been a uh, an effort which uh, is purely out of individual, shall we say, effort and sincerity uh, that's uh, reached out. And uh, part of this uh, circle of friends also included people who took these among uh, certain uh, prisons in the United States. So we have students and uh, people uh, interested in peace, people interested in the Dalai Lama, people in prisons, and many different uh, groups of people studying this. And... Uh, uh, a very good uh, sort of uh, grassroots kind of effort that we are all very pleased to be part of. Well, that is just so amazing. And, and there are so many questions, Kate, that I would like to ask Tenzin and, and also Darlene um, in, in her work in a, in a very specific circle, leadership fashion. And I'm just wondering... Um, Shall we uh, go ahead here, or shall we wait till our um, um, after our first break? Well, you know that's a, always a good question, Kay. I think we are going to take that first break, um, but learning more about this is exactly what we want to do when we come back from that break. So, thank you for listening, and we'll be right back. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. 
With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. Zoom leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email... Please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. Welcome back. This is Kate, and thank you so much for joining us today. Kay Sandberg and I are co-hosting a conversation with Tenzin Tethong and Darlene Markovich of the Dalai Lama Foundation. We are continuing our exploration of the power of circles this week, and we will get to that. Um, but right now, we've been learning about the important work of the Dalai Lama Foundation, which was established as a... Uh, a, a focal point or a sort of a center point for teaching and learning about ethics and peace in the world. Um, so before the break, Tenzin was telling us more about the founding and about the sort of central principles of the Dalai Lama Foundation. Um, Tenzin, I want to pick up where we left off a bit. You were describing to us this um, booklet that people can have downloaded all over the world and are using in study groups and have really been been accessing um it's wonderfully effective very accessible way for people to engage in this conversation so my my question to you is you know if somebody's listening today and wants to uh, get involved with this curriculum learn more about it what can they do well uh they can certainly go to our website and uh, study guide for the book Ethics of the New Millennium uh, should be available. For You can just simply download and uh, print it and use it. Uh, or if you write to us, we can send you a hard copy. Uh, we uh, produce some of them online. And we have the study guide in a number of languages, also different languages from Russian to Hebrew to Japanese and uh, Chinese, I believe. So it's a, a booklet with some uh, international flavor as well. Wonderful. I'm glad it's so readily available in so many languages. Um, Kay, I had invited you before the break to, to ask a question. You did such a beautiful question that I'm going to turn back to you. And what do you think we all need to know about the Dalai Lama Foundation? You had some interesting ideas about where to go. Well, I, I think one of the things that is most amazing and when people hear the name Dalai Lama, they, they might uh, def, uh, directly relate the Foundation's work to Tibet and to Buddhism. Uh, and as we know, there, there, um, there's such a range of, of people's experience with Buddhism from the very abstract to very 
concrete daily practices to to um, to lead a fulfilling um, and ethical life. So the thing that really interested me, Tenzin and Darlene, as I got more involved uh, with the Dalai Lama Foundation and study circles, was just the um, the ability to go beyond religion, which is His Holiness's book uh, published in at the end of 2011 called Beyond Religion, to really focus on what you called secular ethics. Um, and I wonder, Tenzin, if you um, would be able to tell us a little bit more about those principles of secular ethics um, and how to put them in practice. Yes. Well, I think uh, the basis of this is... Uh, the Dalai Lama's belief that uh, the world can and should be more ethical and peaceful. Uh, at the same time, he's aware that uh, uh, often, uh, even though religions still play a very important role in society, at times uh, religious dogma is the cause of conflict. And so the Dalai Lama personally has always been saying we should all have a uh, 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 a set of uh, secular ethics, but by that he means not necessarily tied to a particular religion, and that uh, such ethics are, should be based on universal concepts of just basic compassion, love, peace, and uh, that uh, these uh, uh, shared uh, ethical values will make the world a better place. So that's where this idea of secular ethics comes in. And uh, uh, we are trying to also uh, promote that idea in sharing and working with other groups with similar, you know, uh, intentions. Wonderful. Um, You mentioned the word compassion, and I think, you know, the Dalai Lama has become such a beacon for compassion, such a symbol of compassion in action with his beautiful sense of humor. And um, there, I, I'm paraphrasing now a quote that has really stuck with me, um, is that compassion from His Holiness the Dalai Lama, compassion is a necessity. It is not a luxury. Um, and I wonder how in your mind either, uh, let's start first with, with Tenzin, um, compassion relates to peace and um, both inner peace and creating peace in our world. Uh, well, I think, uh, I mean, it can be explained in many ways and in great depth, but simply uh, the use for uh, compassion really implies uh, a, a, a very deep sort of uh, involvement in giving of oneself for the good of others. It's not just simply feeling sorry for somebody or just giving away uh, lots of good goodies or money uh, to a a difficult situation. Compassion means really empathizing and also having a strong sort of intention and desire to resolve uh, either a difficult situation or to help somebody overcome uh, difficulties of any kind. So compassion, I think, uh, implies more engagement at many levels. Mm-hmm. And um, thank you so much. I, the, the other part of that quote, by the way, from, from the Dalai Lama is that without compassion, humanity cannot survive. Um, and I know that, Darlene, from your really inspiring personal story, you started out as a Catholic, even going to a Catholic school, and have come over the years to deeply admire and embrace 
Buddhist principles um, and including the principle of compassion. So I wondered for you personally um, and in your in your work with the Dalai Lama Foundation and all of the philanthropic work that you're doing, how do you see circles of people fostering compassion and peace in the world? Um, you know, and we invited people to, um, artists in particular, to join the project that was co-sponsored by the Dalai Lama Foundation called The Missing Peace, um, which is an exhibition of works um, that went around the world these past five years to 12 museums. Um, the artists themselves, 88 of them from 30 countries, were uh, were immediately responsive in a positive way, and they searched their hearts and minds to come up with artworks that would help people to um, spend time with the concept of compassion. And they could be as different as oil paintings or interactive video creations. They could be literal portraits of the Dalai Lama who stands for a compassionate life. And also very highly abstract installations. And they used various materials such as sand and stone and also materials of little permanence um, to suggest that the messages of the Dalai Lama about how greater happiness can be achieved, which is something all people seek for, is to practice compassion because, and I'm quoting him now, if you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. Um, so if you think about what that means, it's um, a matter of trying to make in your own way, with your own capacities, your own skills, your own interests, um, a way where you can participate in helping to make the world a better place for yourself and for others. Um, and in this way, um, hopefully, uh, you you will inspire other people to do the very same. Darlene, I have a question for you. And this is just inspired by that beautiful answer that you just gave. Um, you know, so often in my work with people as a coach, I find that um, compassion for oneself is hard to come by. We tend to be critical and judgmental of ourselves, and that really can interfere with um, making a contribution in the larger world and even to our own sense of well-being as we function day to day. And you've just talked about this um, beautiful artistic expression. Um, I'm curious, what was the what was the response people had to this art, and and what do you think about self-compassion? Well, the response to the art was was very wonderful. Um, we, we hoped it would um, inspire people, and and in fact, we we learned qualitative, qualitatively that it that it did so. Um, as I had mentioned previously, the exhibition went to twelve major cities of the world, and the attendance at most of the museums was among the highest of any shows that they had ever held. Mm-hmm. Um, and the critical reviews, as well as uh, the attendance, were ver- was very very high. And th- therefore, you know, we felt that it spoke to people in a very visceral way, and. I think part of that was because the subject matter, although it began with the Dalai Lama, who is um, a living peacemaker, who, who we know has won the Peace Prize Award in 1989, immediately the subject matter of the exhibition went into very universal themes. 
and the universal themes helped people to see how one could um, create a path towards peace. And compassion and empathy were were one of those standards. Um, and in, in terms of self-compassion, um, it, it always starts there first. Um, I'm thinking now of something that actually just a, a sister-in-law sent to me yesterday on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a Cherokee legend who has a grandson asking a grandfather what causes violence and cruel, cruelty in the world. And the grandfather says, in each human heart, there are two wolves battling one another. One is fearful and angry, and the other is understanding and kind. And the grandson asks, well, which one wins? And the grandfather says, whichever one we choose to feed. So we have that um, choice and ability to say no to the angry wolf and to um, encourage the understanding and kind wolf in our daily life and in our everyday practice. Do you think if we encourage the the kind wolf, we create a greater possibility for peace in the world? Can you just speak to the, how that connects? You know, I, I, I do so absolutely. I mean, our hope was that greater peace in the world could be found um, through such projects as the Missing Peace. Um, we entered into the prison systems in the United States, um, and in other ways we've gone to places where people cannot ordinarily come to museums, and we brought artworks to them in, in unique ways. And if we were in particularly unpeaceful settings where I think people might feel the least amount of hope, what we noticed was that they immediately responded to the artworks of the project in a way where they recreated them with the materials they had at hand mm-hmm. and with um, with and among each other um, to recreate the missing piece, if you will, within their own environment for their own visitors and guests. And it was quite remarkable to see the immediate response and to find that joy exists in, in every world and and it doesn't take much more than um, bringing people together to focus on, on the subject matter and then let their creativity take over. I love that that example and that story about how this project has made a difference in so many different kinds of settings and settings where we don't expect to find peace. We, believe it or not, are up to a break again. So we are going to take the break, and when we come back, would love to explore a bit more about this idea of study circles. So we'll be right back. This is Kate Ebner. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. 
Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. I'm so glad you're listening today. This is Kate Ebner, and my co-host, Kay Sandberg, and I have been talking with Tenzin Tethong, president of the Dalai Lama Foundation, and Darlene Markovich, executive director of the Dalai Lama Foundation. Both were part of the founding of this foundation, and we've been learning about the extraordinary projects and, and work that they are really doing to create a more peaceful and ethical and compassionate world. Um, Darlene, right before the break, we were talking about this powerful art project called The Missing Piece, Artists Consider the Dalai Lama. How can people find out more about that? There's a virtual tour online now that the um, actual exhibition tour has ended at uh, tmpp.org. That stands for the Missing Peace Project.org. And also it can be found on the Dalai Lama Foundation website. Thank you very much. You know, um, as you're aware, we've been uh, exploring for for our audience how a circle is a wonderful shape uh, through which to do powerful and important work in the world, whether it's on a small scale or a global scale. Um, and I know that one of the one of the approaches that your foundation uses is the study circle, which is a gathering that guides members in exploring their own personal values and ethics. Um, Darlene, let's start with you. Could you tell us a little bit more about how these study circles work? Well, I can describe one that we held recently um, with Anne Firth Murray, who founded um, the Global Fund for Women, and she has um, on Stanford campus a Love as a Force for Social Justice program that is oversubscribed every single session. And um, for the first time together with her, we um, brought the circle outside of the university setting into the community. and. What we found um, as we met as, as, as a circle to study love as a force for social justice is that, um, firstly, the example is set within the group itself. So uh, together, uh, we learned how to practice um, compassion and empathy for one another, caring for one another. Um, it set the standard, and, and we, we all felt the commitment to taking care of one another, and that was that was a very f- profound beginning. Um, the other profound aspect of study circles is that it is very action oriented. So it doesn't stay within the group. You're expected to work um, in smaller groups um, or as a, as a whole, but to take it out into your daily life and then to come back and report 
on an action or an activity that uh, was stimulated by a subject that you had been dealing with. And so I think those two things make um, study circles particularly profound and um, helpful. Thank you. Um, Kay, I know you I know you had some thoughts about this as well. Yes, well, um, actually, I just want to tell our listeners that that Darlene and I formally met in the Love as a Force for Social Justice community-based discussion circle in Palo Alto, California, where we both live, and um, and that subsequently, by the way, became um, through Anne First Marie as our board member uh, a project of the Global Force for Healing that um, our listeners heard about last week. Um, and uh, I love what what Darlene said about bringing it out into the world, and um, and so um, the work that that both Darlene and Tenzin have made us aware of, including uh, circles of inmates who are, are studying together what is it to be an ethical member of society uh, where uh, the, the, the idea of what is it to be a good person or a moral person is actually not a, um, a judgment um, about good or bad, but really about a fundamental goodness in human beings, no matter where they are, what their life circumstances are, or where they have been and done in their lives. So, Tenzin, I'm wondering, um, first for the circles of inmates, if you could give us an idea about um, how the power of these study circles and also if there uh, is an example of how leadership has emerged within those circles, um, whether it's leading oneself out of, uh, of a life of crime or whether it's leading a large group of people to do something that makes a difference for the world. Well, uh, as you've mentioned, uh, that uh, we've had a few circles, study circles in uh, some uh, prisons, and uh, we were all very sort of uh, encouraged to learn that uh, there are people who work in the prison system as well as prisoners who were interested enough to study uh, uh, the Dalai Lama's book. And we've also had parts of the Missing Peace Project shown in prisons and uh, prisoners participating in their uh, contributions as well, you know, artistic contributions. So that's a, it's a very good example of being able to reach out to a community that really needs uh, uh, encouragement and support of this kind. And uh, uh, the, in a sense, our work of, uh, of circles and friendship one very good example that uh, I, I, I'm often uh, able to share is how uh, we did the study circles among uh, adult groups. And then a, a school in California also took an interest and a, a senior high school uh, class in uh, Watsonville, California, a school called Mount Madonna School. Uh, the students and the teacher took a very special interest and uh, the students have been working on a, a high school student's version of a study guide. And out of that connection, one of our board members uh, took a great interest in uh, putting together a film and a project about happiness. And it expanded to uh, a very unusual meeting of uh, a group of students from California, several students from Nigeria, 
and Tibetan refugee students meeting together in India, and they also had an uh, opportunity to have a discussion with His Holiness, and out of that, a whole project called Project Happiness, and a film came out, and so the circle of sort of our engagement uh, increased tremendously, and uh, uh, that led to further work and collaboration with our friend in Nigeria, a gentleman called Emmanuel, and he was a school teacher who then ventured out to actually build a school where his focus would be on, uh, you know, ethics and values-based education. So uh, uh, these the method of sort of reaching out and creating circles of friendship uh, is a, a wonderful way to try and get, uh, you know, good work done. And um, I, I'm just so moved by the evolution of this process and the expansion um, uh, into Project Happiness and the film that, you know, I, I also recently have begun to work with high school students uh, who are, are committing to one year of learning about and practicing mindfulness so that they can lead more meaningful, committed, uh, uh, and honest lives. Um, and they, one group actually in Idaho is doing a project in Ladakh in northern India in the Himalayas. So, uh, and, and they use the Project Happiness film as an inspiration for themselves and the community, their local community that they reach out to. So the ripple effect is just amazing and probably more than the Dalai Lama Foundation even knows directly. Uh, and um, and one example that we do know that you've mentioned, Tenzin, um, is Emmanuel, an amazing school teacher and visionary leader from Nigeria who has become the study circle coordinator for the Dalai Lama Foundation. And um, I was blown away when I went again to the website to look at the number of study circles that have been seated around the world and the number is the greatest, actually, in northern uh, Nigeria. Um, and um, so because this uh, whole series uh, is also about leadership and vision, could you share a little bit about Emmanuel's own commitment and vision um, as a really as a world leader for peace? Yes, actually, I'm, we are all, uh, you know, greatly uh, inspired and thrilled to be connected to Emmanuel because uh, he's somebody who is uh, a, a committed educator uh, living in, at times, in a very difficult situation because in uh, 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 Nigeria, especially where he lives on the Joss Plateau, it's an area of conflict at times between uh, Nigerian Christians and Muslims, and uh, he is there playing a role to uh, bring about inter-religious understanding and dialogue. And uh, he is bringing the Dalai Lama as a, a leader of peace and dialogue in an area where there is conflict. So just that engagement alone is really quite inspiring. And then the fact that he's ventured out and uh, started a school, uh, and uh, the school is coming along very well, we are able to support him actually at a very modest level, but with, uh, other friends have turned up and there are people who are uh, helping him with the school. 
And in fact, we hope uh, in the next few weeks he might be able to visit the United States because he was invited by a college in Florida. And we hope uh, we'll have him in California and, uh, you know, uh, let people know of the wonderful work he's doing. And I personally find it very encouraging because this is like my very limited connection to Africa. And I feel, you know, uh, with uh, Africa's potential as well as all the uh, difficulties in Africa, you know, Emmanuel is somebody who is helping us to find a way to engage positively in, you know, in that great continent. Wow. Thank you so much for telling us about Emmanuel and his work and how power, how, I keep using the word powerful and I, I'm aware of that. I think that, you know, the word powerful to me means that there's, you know, power sort of juice, energy, um, the ability to, to create change or to move people. And this Emmanuel's story is such an exciting example. You know, I once again must tell you that we are at a break. And when we come back, we're going to hear the visions of these two visionary leaders. We'll be right back. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want to take your organization to the next level? The Nebo Company develops leaders, teams, and organizations to achieve their highest potential. We provide executive and team coaching, leadership courses, mentor programs, and retreats tailored to the unique goals of your organization's leaders. With national reach, Nebo specializes in helping senior leaders to articulate a compelling vision, then develop the strategy, goals, and accountabilities that make the vision real. For more information, visit NeboCompany.com. Be sure to ask about our leadership and life curriculum. Again, that's NeboCompany.com. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. We'd love to hear from you. Pick up your phone and call into 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, please send it to visionaryleader at nebocompany.com. Now, back to today's program. How can we bring peace to a violent world? This is a big question, and we put it right onto the description of this this conversation we were going to have today. Um, I'm talking today uh, with the help of Kay Sandberg, with Tenzin Tetong and Darlene Markovich, who are leaders of the Dalai Lama Foundation. 
As you have been hearing, this foundation with a mandate from the Dalai Lama himself works for a more peaceful world by reaching people through educational initiatives and raising awareness. And I think one of the ways we've been talking about the foundation's work today has been through the lens of circle work. And we heard before the break Tenzin talking about the expansive nature of circles, how um, you know, the, the circle grows, you know, the, the impact of the, of the people in the circle expands beyond e- even that initial conversation. I think we heard Darlene talk about that as well when she was talking about love as a force of social justice in that project at Stanford where, you know, the ripple effect of this work is phenomenal. And I really want to emphasize this because for those of you listening who are perhaps wondering, can powerful, important, there I go again with powerful, but can important work really happen in the world through the circle dialogue? Um, here's more living evidence of what conversation, commitment, um, listening with respect and compassion can really uh, lead into action. So we're in the closing segment of our hour, and I really would like to invite each of these leaders to share the vision that he or she holds uh, for all of us, you know, to show us perhaps a future that we we would love to be a part of and, and may not ha- have thought about before. Um, so, Tenzin, I'd love to start with you. Sure, thank you. Uh, my sort of, <clears throat> my hopes uh, for the future, for the world is actually uh, much too grand for one individual to hold in some sense, but it really is to... Uh, hope for a, a future world where there is no violence, there is that there is justice instead, and that uh, all the uh, tremendous amount of resources that are being wasted on violence, in in some sense, on organized violence, all the governments in the world that spend billions and trillions on just arms and arms production and maintenance of armed forces. Uh, uh, to bring about some, I guess, stability in the world. Uh, we hope we will we'll, we will reach a you know stage where all of this, these resources are spent in a much better way for a truly just and compassionate world. And of course, it's a, a huge task that uh, uh, just a handful of people can't do it. But there are uh, organizations and individuals all over the world working in that direction. Uh, people who are advocating uh, departments of peace or ministries of peace, as we have, uh, you know, Dennis Kucinich proposing that in the United States. Uh, Others who are calling for disarmament or reduction of arms production or such uh, initiatives that gradually will, I think, lead us uh, to a, a better and more peaceful world. And in our own limited way, uh, and those who, who are connected with the Dalai Lama Foundation, we are trying to make our small contributions because um, as individuals and as a small organization, we may not be able to make a major contribution at this point, but uh, we are trying to live up to our own uh, commitments. Thank you so much. It is a hopeful vision that you're offering to us um, and I have one question about your vision, Tenzin. What would you like to see us investing those resources in instead of um, arms and, uh, you know, military security and all of that? What What would be a, a good alternatives that could 
could really well, bring this about? Well, you know, one uh, very good example I often sh- often share is, you know, I lived in India for a long time, and the Indian subcontinent, while it is uh, improving economically, there are many areas where there's tremendous amount of need of resources just to improve the standard of living. And in the last 50 years, India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh, they've spent like more than, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they've always spent on just defense and military matters because of, uh, you know, uh, ongoing conflicts. And if even a half or a tenth of that had been spent on, on the social front, uh, poverty and diseases and uh, uh, difficult living conditions in India would have evaporated, you know, decades ago. So that's one just sort of simple example I share about the mm-hmm. need to redirect our resources in an in, in, in intelligent way. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Darlene, what is it that you see? What is your vision for the future? Well, a common thread in my personal practice is peace. And that means a peaceful resolution um, at individual and societal levels. And that peace includes peace from conflict, disease, poverty, um, for all beings, for all animal friends, for the environment. And I just see the capacity of our human um, our human capacities um, globally to take and make those differences in our own backyards or far away from us, um, wherever our heart lies. And um, one of the outcomes for me personally as uh, the Dalai Lama Foundation and the Missing Peace has encouraged me to go forth and work in an area of Russia where tuberculosis has um, a tremendous hold. And together with the foreign ministry in this um, republic of the Russian Federation and with um, a Rinpoche who I met as a consequence of the Missing Peace Project, um, we are bringing better instrumentation and techniques and education to that area in the field of tuberculosis. And so it really is a matter, as the Dalai Lama says, of each person um, can make that difference, and each person has their unique ability to do that. And once basic needs are met among um, among families, then the next step is to reach out and do so in your own creative and positive ways by volunteering, by stepping forward to um, commit to an action for your community. Um, the first step takes you um, on a path that will make a very big difference in the world, as Kay said, in ways that you would never know. You have no idea what your your one step might do um, for others and the ripple effect it might have. So I do believe in this circle concept and and the goodness of people to move mountains um, in the in in the face of great suffering and, and tremendous violence and, and sometimes hopelessness. Well, you know, as I listen to you describe your vision, you know, the words are so clear. And I think um, what you're really inviting us to consider is that wholehearted engagement, whether it's locally or in our own lives or sort of in, in a larger scale, as you said, wherever it is that we feel it, is not only a, a path for creating this change, but it's a path for changing ourselves and for experiencing 
the happiness, the compassion, the sense of connection that actually makes life so meaningful. So I want to say thank you for that beautiful vision. Thank you both for your visions. Thank you. You know, we only have a minute left, and uh, I want to use part of this minute to um, to give um, Tenzin and Darlene a chance to direct our listeners to find out more. But I also want to let you all know that we're going to publish the guiding principles of the Dalai Lama Foundation in our um, in our newsletter this uh, coming week because the principles themselves are really worth reading, saying out loud, printing. You know, I think so often we move too quickly past power, you know, powerful language. I did it again. And I think the guiding principles of the Dalai Lama Foundation are a sort of code from which you can begin to create if you're really interested in this conversation today. So in our remaining uh, moment, um, let me ask uh, you, Tenzin, what is the best uh, way for people to find out more about the Dalai Lama Foundation? Is there a, the, do you want to share the website address? or? Yes, the best way to, uh, is to find uh, through our website. So you can type in Foundation or DLF Found, the DL Found, short for Dalai Lama and mm-hmm. FUND for Foundation. And uh, yes, so that's the basic way to get in touch with us. Okay, thank you. And um, the Happiness Project. If people want to uh, learn more about that, is is the website the best place to go, or is, can you find that directly? I think Darling? Google Project Happiness should come up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes, it's simply projecthappiness.org. ProjectHappiness.org. Great. Well, I hope that those of you listening will continue to explore this topic. Um, this has just been too short an hour. Um, Kay, I want to say thank you to you for participating in this month of uh, Circle Leadership Conversations. Uh, I personally am going to download that booklet and begin to really explore how to create a circle in, in my neighborhood. So thank you all for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you, thank Kay. Thank you so much. All right. Namaste. We sincerely hope you've enjoyed hearing from leaders who are using vision to create an inspiring future. Please join host Kate Ebner for another edition of Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business Channel. Meanwhile, visit www.nebocompany.com for more tips on bringing your own vision to life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.